Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. The show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desks. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at aspirus.co, A-S-P-I-R-U-S dot C-O, and linkshus.com, where you can sell your products everywhere. Hi, Vijay. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well. I'm very excited about this. You're based in India, right, Vijay? Yes, I'm based in New Delhi, India. Yes. And PTM is founded in New Delhi, India, actually. <laughs> yes, and we are talking to Vijay Shekhar Sharma. CEO and founder of Paytm, India's largest mobile e-commerce platform with 100 million registered users. And Vijay, you're my first unicorn CEO that come on the show. So I'm very honored. I wanted to get to know you better. And the first thing I wanted to ask is, how did you get started in the technology business? I'm an engineering college graduate. So it just started with that because I was 1998 in early days of internet in college days. I had built a search and a content management system which made money and I sold that company and after that I started mobile content company which ended up becoming Mark, uh, ultimately Paytm came about in 2010-11. That is the time when I think we got more popular but otherwise I've been always ever since on this business. My question is, I know you started something called 191 Communications which is also the parent company to Paytm. In your journey in Going through with the 197 and to Paytm, what are the kind of interesting lessons you have learned as a startup founder and now scaling the business as a business leader in India? The biggest and the largest lesson has been that you should always strive to remain relevant. It is easy to be, let's say, finding early success and then becoming successful in one business. But it is always challenging and important to remain relevant for what is coming up. In other words, as Steve Jobs used to put it, that you should go where the puck is going, not just towards where the puck is big today. For example, like in 2010, our feature phone-based content business was very big and it was very profitable. But we were not satisfied because we knew that feature phones will give way to smartphones and the business will change. And we were very paranoid about what business we'll end up, end up building in smartphone age. And that is how Paytm come about. So even when you are very successful, you should bother about whether you will remain relevant a few years and few months ahead or not. And subsequently, now when you try to scale the business into this very big internet conglomerate, do you see the lessons also change as well as you went from a startup mode to a scaling up mode? I think this lesson definitely remains there because whether you are successful, whether you are early stage startup, the challenge of remaining relevant always is there on companies. Especially when you are big, it is even more important. We've seen problems at Nokia, BlackBerry, Motorola. All these companies were very big at one point of time, but they were very happy with what they had achieved and they were complacent about what is coming up forward. So. I think it is even more important for large successful companies. And who are those role models as you grow Paytm towards becoming an important India internet conglomerate? I'm a big fan of Jack Ma, Marcel Sishan, and Steve Jobs. So these are my role models. 
Wow. I want to come to the most interesting part, which is Paytm, because it's originally incubated from 197 Communications. And you saw this mobile first world far earlier than anyone in the India startup ecosystem. Because I hear Deepak Gaur from SAIF Ventures talk about the story of Paytm. But maybe I want to hear it right from you. How did the idea come about and what is the problem that you are initially trying to solve with Paytm? Yeah, you're right. We were anyways doing tremendously large business on feature phones and we wanted to be relevant in smartphone world. And interesting problem in feature phone world that we had solved was that how do you charge for content from consumers? And our charging was using telecom operators charging methods. So when you're buying content, ringtone, ringback tone, music on feature phone, we will charge telecom operators wallet. But if you see... In few days, for a few years forward, we knew that user will use app stores and game stores and iTunes and Google Play stores of the world, but telecom operators were not connected to them as a charging method. So I think at 197, we saw a requirement to build a payment platform for smartphone-based content services like app stores and game stores. And that is why Paytm was built as pay-through mobile, mobile-based payment system, especially because India didn't have payment system Commerce companies do cash on delivery and they were not bothered about solving payments and credit card is very less penetrated. Debit card is not used for payment. So India's payment was very, very nascent and we thought that smartphone will be a good swinger of consumer behavior from not paying digitally to a digitally. And secondly, it was getting clear that consumers in India were getting comfortable paying in digital modes. It was one plus one that we saw mobile will be the winner and digital is going to happen inevitably. So we built Paytm for mobile as a payment system for mobile. So in its current state, what is the mission and vision for Paytm then? We built Paytm as payments platform and then we grew up and finally got bank license also now, payment bank license. We, we're going to do savings and current bank account and offerings of all sorts. So starting from payments, we've landed in a consumer banking space and then we are leading towards financial services like wealth management, insurance and so on. Now our mission statement is that by 2020, we will bring half a billion Indians to the mainstream of economy who are deprived of even basic financial services out there. So we believe that we will be able to build a relationship and change consumers' life, starting from payment, then deposits, then wealth management, then insurance and other loans, etc., financial services. So we want to be the financial services conglomerate of India leveraging technology as the driver. Maybe for my audience, because they are mainly from the US and many parts of Asia, how does the Indian consumer get access to Paytm? I know they, there is a mobile app, you can download it, whether it's iOS or Android version, but what does the Indian consumer do with Paytm? They do commerce or do any other things? So interesting thing about India is that, first of all, India does not have a lot of bank accounts. Of, of two, 1.2 billion people or more, we only have about 250 million bank accounts. And then government opened, uh, the prime minister opened a scheme to open bank account that opened about another 100 million accounts. So we're talking about 300 million bank account out there. India needs at least 800, 900 million bank accounts. So there is a full half a billion population which is not having a bank account. And bank account is used for payment. Bank account is used for savings. Bank account is used for getting loans and so on and so forth. So Paytm is an app that you download and you use this to pay for your utility bill and then you pay using Paytm wallet on other apps like Uber or book the cinema ticket and so on. 
And then we also go to the offline stores and online stores and give Paytm as a payment option. So you walk into a cafe, coffee day, you can pay there. And beauty is that we did not stop at payments. We actually gave merchants an opportunity to sell more to their consumer. So we built a marketplace also where Paytm is the dominating payment option. So merchants are able to place their items on Paytm's marketplace and sell to consumers. So we are a payment-led commerce play also in addition to just a payment play. Our app, single super app, I think the concept of super app that is very prevalent in China is more or less seen in our app in India is what we believe that will allow consumers to do many things every day in their life. You're paying to a friend, you're paying to a shop, you want to buy something, you want to get your utility bill sorted, everything in single Paytm app. So it's an app on App Store, both Android, iOS, obviously BlackBerry and Nokia also exist, but very small. So I understand that Paytm commands at least 80% market share among wallet users and basically target at what is called the unbanked users. And you offer many services to the Indian consumer from mobile phone recharging, insurance, e-commerce to entertainment. Do you see Paytm becoming a platform that's very similar to how Alipay is like in China? With Alibaba and Alipay's investment in Paytm, we do see that we are learning a lot of things, what they've done, and we sort of have an insider access to the plan and the strategy, what worked out, what should work. We will learn and bring a lot of things that Alipay has done in China. We definitely will have our unique market conditions in India. But yes, you should slot us in the same space. As the head of digital of a company myself, and of course, I talk to all my fellow head of digitals of other corporations who wants to go into the market. And of course, Paytm is like our first port of call to think about getting payments done. Does Paytm actually offer APIs for third-party developers in the startup environment to corporations and brands who wants to have access to the India market then? Yes. We offer one-time charging. We offer subscription recurring charging. can take advanced block before you charge all sorts of payment options for people, those who do music streaming, video streaming, or financial services they want to sell. So Paytm does come out as single largest payment option in the country right now. Of course, just now you have mentioned earlier, you have obtained a banking license to become the first payments bank. What is the thought process behind obtaining that license and how does that expand Paytm's coverage in both E and M commerce? So government of India wanted few companies to be given banking license, but they wanted them to focus on those unbanked people. So they sort of created certain conditions that your bank account cannot hold more than 100,000 rupees or you cannot lend using the money that you have in the bank account. They created a new type of license called payment banks. They invited applications. There were about 41 applicants and government ended up, a regulator ended up issuing 11 principal approvals. Among the 11 approvals, more or less every tel telecom operator who was applying got the license and uh, beyond telcos, two or three government bodies and us as Paytm got the license. Now, this allows consumers who are storing money in Paytm wallet to earn interest and also if they want to take cash out of their wallet, they can do it from any ATM if they want to. So two differential additional factors come to play beyond a wallet play using bank license that consumers can earn interest and consumers can take cash out of ATM if they want to. Now, obviously, a bank can do a lot many things like current bank account and banking other solutions. So we will also, starting from current saving account to the current account, payments to savings, wealth management, and all sorts of other services come in. So it widens our scope from a payment company to a financial services company. 
this will enhance our scope from there. So one interesting aspect of Paytm, I think is from looking at your background, is that you set aside funds to invest in startups, for example, Jonggu and Loginix, similar to how 197 has done for Paytm. I guess I wanted to ask you, what is your view at and horizon on venture capital investments from your perspective? Look, venture investments must be done with a longer horizon and no pressure of exit in a shorter run or a lot of times when you're looking at investments in new ideas, maybe revenue timeline should also be stretched. So we're a very long haul investor. We have never ever asked anyone any money that they need to exit. Surprisingly, we've got our exits because companies that we invested either have done follow-on rounds or have exited themselves. So we've received most of the money that we've invested in our investments. We remain long-term committed to build a Paytm ecosystem in India. Anybody who's going to use Paytm wallet expand the use of Paytm wallet into the sectors that we do not focus will be a potential investment opportunity for us. What kind of traits do you look for the founders in those startups that you actually invested in them? I think integrity and energy levels. If they are sincere about the business, I'm sure they will do good and they should remain ethically high standards and they should have a lot of energy so that they can try out many things before they are finally successful. You have said recently that you wanted to grow Paytm into becoming an internet conglomerate, which is very similar to the Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, or we call the BAT in China. How did you come to this view and is that where you see the company heading towards? So in the world, if you notice, companies build a large consumer base, which is very low-cost customer acquisition for them, and they have a very high repeat usage of their customers using their platform. In China, as we all know, Alibaba does that very well using Alipay and Taobao. And then in US, you see Facebook, Google of the world doing the same. So I believe that ultimately, these companies have a business model where they have large customer base, easily acquired, as in lower cost of customer acquisition, and a very high repeat access and usage of those customers. These such companies are very, very, very much potential, have a potential to build a larger ecosystem around their business. And that's exactly what all of these companies, including in China or US, have done it. So my belief is that we are seeing the similar pattern happening in India, very low customer acquisition cost for Paytm, very high repeat usage, and very high usage and customer recall of the product. So I believe that with the core fundamental clear that we have a traffic, we have active users, and we have payment sorted. We can build a large number of set of businesses on top of it. Is the reason I call it that we could potentially be a mobile internet conglomerate coming out of India. And I do believe that it is time for India to achieve such status because finally India has hundreds of millions of internet users and growing towards 500 million internet users in the next three to five years. So it is probable because of India itself and the kind of platform that we built. And you see that this growth of the smartphone mobile subscribers will grow in the next decade and also subsequently with the enablement of commerce with logistics and e-commerce as well. Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, if you were building an e-commerce company five years back or 10 years back, you had to build all kinds of logistics and payment solution yourself. But if you start today, there are many third-party logistics companies and then there are payment options like Paytm. So I believe that commerce will be the first winner of this conglomeratic play because this is exactly what commerce play requires in addition to the platform capabilities of logistics and merchant eagerness. And that is happening in India too. I thought one thing I wanted to ask you because I know you have very interesting thoughts and perspectives in India's e-commerce, m-commerce and even the startup ecosystem. 
With the recent announcement by President Modi on various startup initiatives, in your perspective, what is the impact on India's startup ecosystem and businesses, particularly in the area of foreign direct investments? Look, in India, we are like less than 70-year-old democrat country. So if you notice, early days of independence, government jobs were popular. Then MNC jobs were popular when government opened few international companies to open up. Then private jobs became popular. And finally, now the startup jobs and startups are getting popular. What Mr. Modi has done is that he's made startup a public acknowledged potential career. So number of people who can work for startups earlier were many less because they were not getting acknowledged that their family, friends, or even they, did, they thought that this job is not going to be secure and safe if they take a startup job. But today, because of the government movement and commitment to making startups successful and India a startup nation, we see many, many people very willingly joining new startups. And this is what brings the economic cycle to a very new spin. And I believe that once there are many entrepreneurs building businesses in India, certain of those businesses definitely grow and require large amount of capital. And that is when FDI also becomes very useful. So basically, traditionally, FDI was going in traditional sectors. And number of traditional sectors, companies that you can have and resources can you have is always finite. And startups enable that FDI opportunity to grow bigger and a lot more international capital can be deployed in India. We saw in last three, four years, amount of capital that got deployed in these new age technology companies, it was never before, like never before. I think last three years, we would have raised money in Indian startup more than last 30 years would have raised combined money. That is the kind of beauty it is. There's also something pretty interesting about the India market. Unlike the China market where you have the Great Firewall of China, India is a pretty open market and there is also foreign players that are coming in. How do you view competition from these companies and what, what do you think is important for India startups to be able to cope with this kind of open competition in such a market? So one thing I'm sure about is that in India, if you build more of Western solutions, you cannot win because Western solutions, English-speaking country-made and international companies localizing their product will continue to win. For example, Google of India is Google, Facebook of India is Facebook. Twitter of India is Twitter. There is no local service that competes with them. So Indian entrepreneurs should solve Indian problems. That can't be solved by international people, like telecom, like banking, like power, like farming, like poverty. All these problems, like logistics, all these problems cannot be solved by Western models, like payments. It cannot be solved from a Western mindset. It has to be solved bottom-up in India. India will build respectfully large number of companies and very large value creations for companies that are creating solutions based on Indian needs and are not replicating Western models in India. And that is what the beauty is. So even if you will see a payment company in India, it will not be same as how it is built in US. It'll be different and it'll be solving it in an India manner and needs of India will get solved. And that is why such companies will be big, sizable and useful for many investments and wealth creation both ways. So this is really interesting. Currently with the US funds going south on unicorn investments in the US only, do you see the India startup ecosystem will be focusing on growth or profitability or interchangeably within the next three years? I think there is no doubt about it that there is a need of building a market and then bringing in unit economics and then bringing in profitability. If you see last three years, those have been attributed towards creating a market. So there is no doubt whether it is U.S. market reason or otherwise, 
that these companies which spent the last two, three years or four years are now at a stage where they will bother about unit economics. And I think that is a, nearly a straight cycle across every industry anyways. So, yes, you're right. I do believe that this year, next year, people will be building unit, unit economics-based models and they will definitely look at growth with a oversight of unit economics behind that. So recently, you have offered your views on the issue of Facebook's free basics in India and subsequently, the Telecom Regulatory Authority of India, TRAI, has banned Facebook's free basics. I mean, what are your thoughts on the outcome? I think TRAI wanted an opinion from consumers that can telecom operator price different app differently. So in other words, if you are watching, let's say, video on YouTube, the cost of data is different when you're watching video on, let's say, a telecom operator portal. And I think this way we were all, I'm sure even any company which has built a business model based on internet will always agree that I want my app never to be in a suboptimal way delivered to the consumer, whether in price, whether in speed or access. So our pitch was that this is a time when India will build many internet startups, mobile internet apps and services companies, and no one company should be able to have a lesser access of consumer or lesser privileged access of access of infrastructure than other. So if you want to build a video app tomorrow morning or music app tomorrow morning, your app should be priced same way in a consumer cost manner, which other company can do it. We were totally against telecom operator pricing their apps differently based on just the type of content or app you are using. Mm. And I'm very happy that TRI was able to get that correct mm. and gave the directive. Where do you see the startup ecosystem in five years' time? I probably think that Paytm would be one of the BAT equivalents. And how would the startup ecosystem evolve in your perspective? I believe that Indian startup ecosystem will build at least five or six large companies in the next five years. And these large companies will be like plus 10, 20, 50 billion dollars, depending on how do you define large in that day. And I'm sure these companies will become torchbearer of Indian startup ecosystem to build many ecosystem players in the country and then be able to become a global icons to reckon with. I'm very hopeful of what happens here. Vijay, one thing I do is I follow your Twitter account and I like you have a very interesting pin tweet and I thought I should just mention that line that you put, you are because you don't give up, you are because you don't stop, you are because you won't stop. So my penultimate question before that is to ask you, what keeps you up awake at night? All the success in a history of a company comes because they are successful in one thing, very, very good than many other company was competing with. And no success is ever permanent. So today I am all bothered about building a company which grows on what we built and does not become victimized of what we built or victimized of the success that we've got. So I remain paranoid to keep my team paranoid that if we don't continue to innovate, any success is so temporary that it won't be even there tomorrow or day after. So I think more than keeping awake myself, I keep awake to keep my teammates awake so that they don't stop innovating and building new things and continuously delighting the consumers. Thank you. That's a lot of words of wisdom. So my last question, Vijay, how do my audience find you? Tweet me on that, Vijay Shekhar. Uh, you have a very Twitter account called Vijay Shekhar, right? Yeah, V-I-J-A-Y-S-H-E-K-H-A-R. And I think even better than WhatsApp or email is Twitter because 
certain point of time, I'll definitely go there and reply those tweets. And you can find me at bleongcw at bernardleong.com. Subscribe to us as iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and ACAST. And of course, you can always tweet to us as Analyze Asia, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E, Asia. Once again, Vijay, thank you very much on coming for the show. And of course, I have to also thank Vivek, who is from SAIF Partners, who actually helped to facilitate this interview. Thank you, Bernard.